Listen up, Gotham. This is Batman. Tune into the Bat Fanatic podcast with Sammy Warmhands. And if you don't, I'll be coming for you. Hey, everybody, it's the Dark Knight of Rap, Sammy Warmhands, and this is the Bat Fanatic podcast, all right? Now, we are going to pick up right where we left off with Batman Soul of the Dragon and go into some more martial arts territory. First, I've got to shout out a longtime sponsor from day one. That's Radar Toys right here in Eugene, Oregon. You can go to RadarToys.com, shop online, get free shipping in the U.S., and save an additional 10% using that code BATFANPOD, B-A-T-F-A-N-P-O-D, like that Christian new metal band from back in the day, P-O-D. Remember them? Yeah. Anyway, this is an orphan story, Cassandra Kane from Detective Comics, written by James Tynan. This is one of my favorite recent stories. It's called League of Shadows. All right, this is a continuation of the New 52 the one we've talked about a lot of times. This is Zero Year, written by Scott Snyder, you uh, illustrated bastard. by what? Don't, don't trick me. <laughs> <laughs> For a second, I'll, well, I don't care. <laughs> Whatever. We can do Zero Year if you want. <laughs> Are we reading again? <laughs> I just figured I would switch it up for once and see if you were paying attention. <laughs> no. <laughs> so let me grab my actual notes. This is League of Shadows from Detective Comics. Rebirth, 2017, written I had by. A moment of panic, and then I realized this doesn't matter. So. <laughs> <laughs> like, I'll just wing it. <laughs> You're like, I didn't read the source material. I'll just wing it. I'm not going to pass the test. Oh my god, I'm going to get a bad grade. Yeah, you rate the show, and then we rate you. That's what happens now. Yeah. So written by James Tynan the fourth, illustrated by Marcio Takara, Christian Duche, Fernando Blanco. Alvaro Martinez, uh, Raul Fernandez, Eddie Barrows on the last issue, as well as many of the covers with Abra Ferreira. Colored by Marcelo Maiolo, Alex Sinclair, Dean White, Alan Pasolacqua, Brad Anderson, Adriano Lucas, and John Rauch. Lettered by Sal Cipriano and Marilyn Patrizio. And that's why it's better to have a small team, everybody. Yes. <laughs> I can't place it, but I swear that I've seen something in the past where they're like pitching a product to somebody like it's fancy, but it's not. And, and it's something that reminded me of the like, it's a douche or something like that. <laughs> what are your initial thoughts on this? Because this is one that I've, I've wanted to do for a long time and I thought would be a good tie in from Soul of the Dragon with the Shiva stuff and all that. I think it has some of the weaknesses of Nightfall and some of the stuff we read recently where having so many different people working on it, mm -hmm. like people doing side stories and different artists, it's a little inconsistent. Not even in quality, but just like in tone and what they're going for. And then obviously with the art being different. But fundamentally, I like the story. And this story is why I, I almost want a universe where it's just like Batman and his sidekick is Cassandra Kane. Yeah, mm -hmm. like because again with the detective comics, the more you bring in all these other people, the less interesting Batman is. Mm -hmm. I liked volume one that we read that was Rise of the Batman, and we skipped one. This is volume three. But what I like about volume three is that the first one was building the team, and you have all these different characters. And for the most part, 
this series is just Cassandra's story. I think the first one was pretty centered around Tim, but still there was a lot of Kate and her dad and, and the colony. You know, there's, yeah, there's just a lot of shit. Up. Yeah. Yeah. And this is a lot more focused. Therefore, to me, it has more heart. The whole point of that first arc was like, there's a bigger thing coming and get ready for it. And you're not equipped and Batman, you got to trust people. And yeah, it's just a lot. I think this story serves to introduce orphan to people who are not familiar with that character or only kind of loosely have an idea of it. Yeah. I hadn't read any Cassandra stories actually until Tynan's series here. And I couldn't get enough, especially after this, actually not to get off topic, but when I saw birds of prey in the theater, and they introduce like the little orphan kid, the little foster care thief kid is Cassandra. I was like, oh my God. And then sure. the movie ends and she never did anything but get saved by everyone else. Yeah. And I was like, why did you, why did you say that name? It was like, a, that was that movie's, oh, my real name, Robin, but I hate that name. Yeah, it's like, why did you call her that? Oh, For the nerds. To anger the nerds, maybe. <laughs> There's been solo stuff with just her since this, right? I would think. As far as I know, the only solo stuff was like Batgirl back in the day, but I don't, I don't know. Mm. Yeah, there's a Batgirl series in the mid 2000s, which is great. I really recommend that. I was just thinking about the timeline and why they chose to tell more of her story within this story as opposed to addressing it separately in like another solo series? Well, they sort of do a cool thing here. So the first one we read, it sets up the team, right? The third one here, we're going into Cassandra's story. The fourth one, we're going into Jean-Paul's story. They each kind of turn their focus a little bit. And then, of course, you know, as we saw at the end of volume one, Tim is alive somewhere. So then eventually we do Tim's comeback and, you know, reunite with Stephanie and, and tie up all those things. But each one kind of has their own character focus where the other ones are there, but they're not really the point. Gotcha. So the story moves forward while also having these like little character tangents sort of to, to yeah. build them up at the same time. Gotcha. Yeah. I think there's seven of these, but the series goes to like nine or 10. And so I was, I was like, all right, I'm going to check out number eight. Whoa, this is all different writers, and this has nothing to do with... Okay, it's over. Wow, seven issues. Uh, or, or not seven issues, but I mean... Seven arts. Seven trades. I was like, oh, okay, that's... Actually, I expected it to be longer after the new 52 was so long. Yeah, and that kind of seemed like the point of it was to explore these side-back characters and reestablish them in whatever the new continuity is. Yeah. Because they're all, like again, slightly different than they were. I mean, she's been... Her, Batgirl, this Batgirl has been around like 15 years now, more than that. Yeah. It's not a new character, but this is a slightly new version of it. Well, the story opens on Christine Montclair, who is a new side character. She is a ballet dancer. Uh, we get the impression that she is rehearsing for what she's about to teach when everyone else arrives. And... We see in the background, kind of in, in the shadows, Cassandra in full orphan costume is mimicking her dance moves and following along in the background. And 
Christine has this feeling she's being watched, eventually catches a glance, and uh, we get the smoke bomb ninja vanish moment where Orphan dives out the window, essentially. Very smooth. Nobody noticed anything. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. Cassandra returns back to her apartment that she shares with Harper Rowe and tries to talk to her, but this is a, a kind of crucial theme of this story that she struggles so much with verbal communication, you know, and essentially can only speak through violence. She's only been taught to use her body. So she bails on Harper and is sort of having this crisis moment, you know, this crossroads that she's at. And that's pretty much where the story starts and ends, you know. It kind of makes me sad reading her parts sometimes, thinking about how frustrating that would be to be just unable to communicate hardly in that way at all, or even diffuse situations that could otherwise... I mean, sneaking up on the girl in the ballet is maybe going to freak her out regardless. Then again, you could explain herself, and not having the ability to do that at all just seems like terribly frustrating to me. Yeah, since you can't walk up and introduce yourself and apply for the class, you just got to sneak in and watch from a distance. (laughs) Sure, and it still comes from a place of... You know, she admires her. She thinks that what she's doing is beautiful and stuff. There's nothing wrong about it. She just doesn't know how to go about that. And I can just imagine, especially when you're trying to deal with some, um, be frustrating enough not to be able to, like, I want this versus this in the grocery store or something, but actually to even remotely address slightly emotionally complex things with another person would be. Uh, I think that would make me kind of crazy. I feel the opposite in that I'm very good with words, but I can't defeat an army of ninjas by myself. And that is where I get down. That's come up so many times in your life. You're like, oh, yeah. If you only. If only these. Road is a tough neighborhood, man. <laughs> if only these ninjas would listen to reason. <laughs> Charm them with my wordplay. <laughs> well, that's one of my favorite things about this character. So the whole idea is that her father was an assassin and never taught her any language and only taught her how to fight and how to like read people's bodies and intentions and that kind of thing. And in this story, she kind of sees that as like a disadvantage or a weakness. Yeah. But I, I like combining that with like giving a shout out to dance because a lot of people like dance and obviously a lot of people dance. But I think if you don't like dance or you just see it as almost like a sport or something like that, you're not giving it full credit. Because to me, dance is like, as someone who doesn't dance, it's like music without the music. But it's the same idea. You have an instrument and you're expressing something. And so the idea of combining that into like a martial arts character, she can't express herself. But then she sees in these people who dance, she sees that her weirdness is an advantage, not a disadvantage. Yeah. It's, it's sort of a equally the, valid way to express yourself. It's sort of the cyborg moment in Justice League when it's like, you know what, I'm not broken, I'm not alone. I do have a purpose, even though it's not this is not the life I wanted, but I can I can make something with this. I'm just different. Yeah. I'm not less. That's such an interesting thought too. And as I was reading that beginning part talking about dance and ballet itself. Like when I draw 
pictures. I know that people create art for all kinds of reasons, and I've only ever really like drawn to draw for the most part, just because I feel driven to do that, and I just want to put things down and get ideas out of my head, but less as a form of self-expression or like emotional expression. Mm. Uh, that might come out more in music where I'm actually using words to form ideas and the way they come out of my mouth, that's definitely an indicator of how I feel about the subject. I'm either mad or I'm chill or whatever, but it's interesting. People dance because that must be fun. It must be fun to like move your body and be part of the music and add to the music and to challenge yourself to learn a thing and it's exercise and stuff. But what an interesting thought to be like, present this subject matter to a ballet dancer and he or she needs to express like rage in some way. Cause if you told an actor to do that, they would make like an angry face. Well, yeah. show me rage actor guy and they shake their fists and, and shake their head and they'd make an angry face, but a ballet dancer can't do that. So how through the confines of dance or ballet would you express like sorrow and anger? Fear. Yeah, like yeah. that's uh, that's pretty wild. I never really considered that. And I think that that's an interesting application to a character. I mean, because all these characters that fight, they're all like basically master dancers. Totally, and they have all these choreographies and moves and parries, and they do this in response to that, and they have ultimate control of their bodies. But because it's power fantasy, it's all just for kicking the shit out of people. Yeah, but when, cool. when we watch a cool action sequence in a movie, though, they've got all these dance choreographers teaching them how to do it, though, you know? Yeah, because especially a movie fight, I mean, that is way obviously way more choreographed than, like, a fight in life or something. But even that, if you watch, like, MMA guys or something, it's like jazz, man. Speaking of collateral, <laughs> it's like jazz, man. <laughs> you react to the moment. It'd be awesome if, uh, you know, how often are things attached to music in movies you know it becomes the background music for a car chase scene or a fight scene or whatever but how often is the music actually like really synced up to the scene visually itself so that like punches and kicks correspond with like downbeats or if they portrayed it in a way that was like slightly more elegant you know so not all the punches have to land and stuff but then somehow that's turned into like a twisting your partner around or something and, and <laughs> make it's like brutal but it's beautiful at the same time i mean you sort of see that if you think of soul of the dragon and when shiva's dodging all those blows in the ring you know when mm-hmm. when she has that that cheater guy in her place who was yeah. the champion and then she's got like both arms behind her back and just like dodging i mean they're kind of doing a little duet there sort of I can think of a couple other characters in comics, specifically this one lady in Blade of the Immortal, who is very much in the same vein, where like she's the best fighter. The dude that you would think was the best fighter in the entire comic actually like bows down to this lady. Yeah. And that's how she makes everything. She escapes all fights with no blood on her. She's like the most graceful, elusive killing machine in the entire thing i feel like uh they're very similar well i think it's a great premise and we could talk about that a lot i want to keep moving through the story a bit there's a brief scene with batman and some 
very over-the-top cape flourishes on the rooftop. And Gordon brings Mayor Haiti into the fold, saying that he wants to start making some, some changes, fighting some of the corruption with Batman. We don't really see what form this will take. It just kind of moves on, and we, we know that that's going to happen. We have this beautiful two-page spread of Cassandra kicking the asses of a whole bunch of goons while this inner monologue kind of plays. I love how she's sort of meditating on this thought again of, of ballet and, and people using their body to sing, she says. And at one point they say like that she's trying this in this fight scene. And it's that a message hidden in the brutality. And then it shows her like breaking bones and all this shit. And it says, it goes unnoticed. <laughs> um, you didn't get the memo? Yeah. And then, uh, you know, Batman swoops in and tells her like, look, you got to know your own strength. He's sort of not realizing that it's taking everything she has to look at the, you know, like the Frank Miller Batman that we've talked about knows like the right pounds of pressure on this bone and all this shit like she's looking at the seven available strikes she could make and in an instant having to take the one that will incapacitate but not kill them you know you know because we've seen that in batman but i think the idea with her is that it's all innate Mm -hmm. where like he has his you know encyclopedic knowledge and photographic memory but he's still like making the tactical choices on an intellectual level where her, it's, yeah. it's just beyond that. Cause it's so instinctual that she just, it takes more effort for her to not kill them. Yeah. She's fighting her programming to some extent. Yeah, Cause like, that's the correct choice. That's just the automatic move in response. We're like Batman. It's like, there's just seven options and they're all equal. And I'm going to pick one for it's like, Oh, I have to pick the weaker choice. I have to fight against that. Yeah. Yeah, they both seem to end in kind of the same place, but at least in the way that it's presented, it seems like more of a struggle on her part. He seems to be doing what he knows to be the best option based on morality, not killing these guys, whereas she seems like, in very few words, like she's actually struggling to not kill them, and she's having to... I mean, think about how much better that makes her actually when she's restraining herself the entire time in order to actually be like less effective. Yeah, and there's a cool bit here where she thinks back to the first time they cross paths and wonders what potential for good he actually saw in her. Like, why did he think, okay, here's this fucking most lethal ninja assassin i've ever seen pretty much like why would i want to then befriend her and bring her in to my inner circle you know she she questions especially with him coming down on her like this like can't you see how hard i'm trying like what is it that you saw in me in the first place help me figure this out well i think there's an interesting parallel with her and batman well i think we talked about it a little bit in um death of the family where like what kind of fucked up are you that you can think like this fucked up person? <laughs> yeah. So it's the same idea that she like she feels bad 
because she's thinking how to kill him while they're talking. She's thinking how to kill everyone while they're talking. Yeah. She's not choosing to do that. She's just doing it automatically. But then the, the guilt of feeling that way in her head or just being that way. And you're right. I think we have seen that a little bit in Batman, but it's usually when he's kind of at his worst. <laughs> you know, this is a much younger character, almost a coming of age story of her finding her place in all this shit. And so it's the context that makes this so much, I want to say better, but at least very different than what we've seen. Yeah, it's not the same. It's not a rehash. And that's why I say it'd be neat. Something with just the two of them. Yeah. Because they're interesting characters to play off each other more so than I think like a Robin and Batman are or Mm -hmm. Batwoman and Batman are. It'd be kind of nice if there was the equivalent of like the public enemies level writing where Mm. you bounce back and forth between Batman and Superman and how they would have like the opposite takes on stuff a lot of times. And so maybe in Orphan's case, it would be just, well, I guess most of that was internal anyways in public enemies. But if you went back and forth between the Batman thoughts and the orphan thoughts and then some minimal dialogue between the two of them, that Mm. would be a pretty cool take. Yeah. Yeah, that would be neat. Uh, Moving on, we tie in uh, a little more of the team again. Luke Fox gives Basil, if if you didn't hear our Volume 1 review and you haven't read this, so Clayface is on the team, and it's the Basil Carlo version of him. So Luke Fox gives him a smaller armband thing to keep him in human form. He's having this dilemma where he's like, well, do I change into my human form and stay that way more? Do I go into Clayface more? Because it's sort of a catch-22 where he can't stay human too long without losing the ability to change back into human indefinitely. He would not be able to do that the longer he uses it. It's sort of a finite resource. And remaining as Clayface has been causing some sort of brain deterioration, right? And he's turning into this just mud man. So... Luke Fox is giving him this upgrade. Immediately, Basil's thinking like, oh my God, so we're like, we're curing this? Like, you know, we got this figured out? And Luke's like, I just made the thing smaller. And there's this sad clay face like, so either way I'm screwed. Here's where we start to see Basil and Cassandra sort of get each other, you know, in, in that he says, she knows what it means to be made into a thing you don't want to be. You know, she's a killing machine. He's a monster. There's a lot of really great panels of, like, sad or distressed Clayface. Like, mm-hmm. just his face. And it's all, like, it's just so, like, uneven. and It's uneven anyway, but especially when they're putting, like, sadness on it. Yeah. It's really effective. Yeah, his eyes and his mouth are just made for those kind of shapes. Yeah. And because he's a formless character, you can pose him in ways that other people, you know, you wouldn't, if one of these characters was really pouting, you wouldn't like bend them over like a question mark to yeah, show that yeah. they were sad, but you could with Clayface. Yeah. So just have, make him look face sliding off yeah. down. <laughs> exactly. Yeah, I mean, he's always been sort of a tragic character. You know, he's got sort of the two-face Mr. Freeze horrible accident origin story, you know, but I don't know. I've always found him very sympathetic. You're a Clayface? Yeah. No, I'd like at some point to do the two-parter from the animated series, maybe as a tie-in to this tie-in run or something. I would like to do that because it's, it's a very, very good 
episode. So, book two opens with Shiva interrogating a member of the colony he's tied up who says that Batman has captured Colonel Kane and thwarted their every attempt to move in on Gotham as the colony. And she decapitates this dude or whatever. And we're introducing one of the lesser used, but one of my favorite villains to show up, you know? Oh yeah. That's when she kills him via natural causes. (laughs) Oh yeah. Tell them what your observation was there. Ah, dang it, man. I need to keep, I'll screenshot these things. I've been taking pictures of my iPad while I read this stuff. So I don't like fully remove myself to take notes and then come back to the reading and I'll just take a picture really quick. We know you're bad at notes. We get it. (laughs) uh, But I deleted it. So I don't have like the full quote, but she's talking about they're sitting in a room. This is like your typical warehouse interrogation scene. The man has been stabbed with 23 swords. Um, (laughs) And she presents him with a scenario where you could either tell me this stuff or you can hang out like this, I guess. And I'm going to go kill your other guys. One of them is going to give me the information. And she's going on about how she's going to torture them endlessly and they'll beg for death. And then they will slowly die of natural causes. I was like, that seems like the furthest thing from natural causes that I've ever heard in my entire life. I was like, you know what she means, though. She's not going to finish gonna them off. They're going to they're yeah. suffer and they're bleed out. Will give out. Yeah, they'll bleed from all their holes uh, <laughs> naturally. <laughs> I mean, they, it just seems silly to me that we're not professionals. These guys are professionals. And it's, it's just one of those things where, like, you know, it sticks you mean out. Writers, professional writers. Is that what you mean? Yes, they're professional writers. <laughs> so they should stuff, have better word using. Yes, exactly. <laughs> yeah, stuff just sticks out when it's a little off to me, and that seems. Well, the one you, the one you pointed out, the other one was way worse. The uh, enjoying to build. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> she's an orphan, is spying on Luke Fox, and she's like, oh, "I wish I was like him, enjoying to build." Yeah. Yes, <laughs> like pretty Eastern European. <laughs> Batwoman tells Batman that Cassandra is spending too much time in the danger room. They call it, I think, the mud room, but we all know it's the X Men danger room. Yeah. And they're saying, like, look, Batman designed this with the Clayface technology, blah, 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 to test his limits, right? And we are finding with Cassandra, she doesn't have any limits, right? Ever think what would happen if you fought for real, she asks. And Batman instantly just says, I'd lose. That's so and cool. I yeah, love that. So cool. and, and they talk about, you know, let's invite her out, out of costume. Let's go to the ballet. You know, I think she'd enjoy it. It'd be nourishing for her soul, you know, and they plan to do something good for her. Batman then goes to meet up with Mayor Haiti. There's reference to some evidence indicting half a dozen corrupt judges. Haiti is found in his office crucified on the wall with daggers and swords. And much like Watchmen with Rorschach or Sin City with Marv. As All-Star Batman and Robin with uh, 
uh, Batman. I'm just saying, as he finds <laughs> Gremlins too, the body, <laughs> the cops, the spiky Gremlins. <laughs> as he finds the body, the cops are walking in at the same time. Uh, cops are walking in at the same time, so it's a frame up, and now he's on the run. I believe he actually gets shot in his escape. He gets grazed. These cops have not been in Gotham long enough to know that lots of people frame Batman. In this part, the, the guys come in, bam, busted. And Batman tells the guys, you're going to want to call Gordon. Or it'll be a bad night for the both of you. And they're like, no, we're not going to do that. <laughs> and then he just throws a smoke bomb and then dips out. Like, that's not a bad night. I noticed that too, that he like threatens them, but it was sort of an empty threat. Like he didn't mean it. Bad night for you. I'm going to leave. Yeah. I'm going to have to mop up this floor after I throw this smoke bomb. I want to go back to that line of Batman saying she would beat me. Yeah. Because that's like a tell don't show line, which like we've talked about before. Usually you, you show stuff. You don't say it. But when those moments are done right, mm-hmm. said by the right person, and it's not all the time, uh, they're they're extremely effective, and that's a perfect example of that of like immediately showing you at what level Orphan is at. Because yeah. if Batman said that with everyone, is like, uh, I would, I don't want to fight Batwoman, or I don't want to fight Nightwing, or it's like it would lose its meaning. But because he doesn't do that, he does that so rarely. Yeah, we don't see it, him concede that like he's always the most stubborn most strong-willed i can just will my way through this yeah you'll have to kill me because i'm not going to give up exactly exactly and you know we've seen when shiva pops up here and there it's always like oh my god she's the most deadly assassin on the face of the planet but i can fucking take her down in you know three moves She's a lady. You just punch her in the shoulder and she kind of falls over. <laughs> One titty punch and she's down. <laughs> so they visit Colonel Kane in his cell and he implores them to look at the drone targets from Volume 1, right? They had 400 targets and the concern was you don't know how many of these are innocent civilians. These are suspects. You haven't properly vetted these people. And that was sort of the conflict between the colony and the Bat fam. But Kane's going, look, you have the data on all of our suspects. Why are you not looking into this? If the League of Shadows is here, they're on the list. The League of Shadows. (laughs) Sorry. Thank you, Liam. (laughs) We get the news report on the mayor's death. And it's a a rehash of uh, Ben's favorite movie, Batman 89, where... uh, they are reporting on the death and start laughing and keel over and die. Hey, you guys ever seen that movie? Because it has a scene like that. Batman alleyway trash pile. <laughs> when they're talking about Mary Hades' death, somebody says something about these. It's a further attempt to frame Batman. And they say something about these bat shaped swords. And I was like, what the fuck is a bat shaped sword? And I had to go back into pages to be like, how did I miss these oddly shaped <laughs> blades? And then looking at it, it's the blade is straight like a katana. But the handle. And then, yeah, the hilt itself is bat shaped. It's like, okay. Well. Uh, they, they, 
they're like their wings off the side of it. Yeah, you got like okay. handle and then bat and then the blade after that. That Batman fucking idiot. He had to make his sword's bat shape. <laughs> He'd be the worst like serial killer ever because he just leaves evidence, just copious amounts of evidence. Everything's shaped like a bat or has a bat symbol on it. Yeah. They mentioned that a Joker gas attack is occurring at Adams Square Park. The whole Bat fam descends on this mob of of Jokerized victims essentially who are just going wild and fucking shit up and as they're being surrounded cassandra says something in her limited dialect that they are faking they all start to kind of step back from the person they're sparring with and look and everyone's just standing there they're not actually you know laughing freaks or whatever it was a fake so they made a real joker gas whatever to get the news anchors but it was a ruse you know by the shadows to to bait them all so the town is scared the mayor's dead and batman did it and oh my god the joker's back and now we have all of our uh heroes at a disadvantage i like that move yeah and it's going back to that same thing where she, because she can just read people she picks up on things that other people don't like Things that they can't hide through their body language. Yeah. That even someone like Batman, who's great at that too, doesn't see right away. Yeah, and Batman's like always chasing his tail with the Joker. And so I think it is second nature for him to just be in that reactionary mode. Like, oh, God damn it, he's back. Let's do this again. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Right in the middle of all this other stuff. God. Assumes that is the case. So book three opens with a flashback. Shiva is uh, at that French cafe from the end of The Dark Knight Rises. And Roz shows up. And they sort of spar with words for a moment. And he offers to give her the location of Cassandra, her daughter. I'm not 100% sure if that was established earlier or if this is when we... I really drive that home. That's canon for the character. That's well, I know, but in this story, because yeah. I had never read her before. That's our, that's our first yeah. introduction to that. Yeah, that's what I thought. And so she essentially shrugs that off, and as the the league comes in, it cuts to ten seconds later after she's ambushed, and they're all just like bloody piles on the ground, mm-hmm. and uh, you know it's. Sort of like you mentioned, like if you do the, uh, if you break the show, don't tell rule, but you do it right once in a while, it's still pretty cool. You know, like the fight wasn't the point, you know? Yeah. Just that it was nothing to her. Exactly. That was the point. But if you did that with every single fight, because all these guys beat people like handily groups of people, yeah. you could do that for all of them. And if you did, it would just be like, oh you don't want to draw fight scenes because it's hard. (laughs) Well, they don't shy away from that in this book. They really don't shy away. No. I think there's something nice too about saving the pages and just giving the little time frame flash forward actually too, you know, because that's the equivalent of watching a cartoon and it just being like, pow, 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 you know, and you actually make it seem like 10 seconds without showing a ton versus in this, you know, because 
if you're reading pages, you're not necessarily reading through the panels at the pace that they're like proposing. Yeah. You know, it, it might take you 45 seconds to read these 10 seconds of time. So it's almost cooler to be like time skip ass whoops, you know, like <laughs> pretty much as fast as it took you to get from there to this 10 seconds later. That's how long it took her to dispose these henchmen. Uh, it's the opposite of a Snyder sequence. Where, <laughs> where everything yeah. is a quarter speed yeah. and uh, <laughs> they're going to play back a few moments. <laughs> yeah. So then we move to the present. Batwing and Azrael have been stabbed in this big fight. Clayface multiplies himself, which is a cool move, and starts taking down this mob of shadows. Cassandra mentions they're being watched from above and shows up next to Shiva. Shiva in the classic mother-daughter reunited moment here, you know, offers her a big hug and a kiss and says, I missed you. <laughs> um, it just looks more like her beating the shit out of her Whenever Cassandra goes for the non-lethal strike, she was so disappointed in her. She, she calls her pathetic. That's sort of a setup for the little exchange that they have in the final confrontation, but I guess it's establishing her, um, her shift in perspective that she's going through right now. You know, <clears throat> just, just bringing that up there and seeing where she comes from and how her parents would have viewed that as weakness. I mean, she was kind of like what she could be. Yeah. She could be that same way. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And Batman and Batwoman swoop in to back her up. And I love the dialogue here where, you know, she was like, fuck out of here. And Batman's like, look, I've fought you before and won. <laughs> you know, like. But she's like, yeah, but that was my job. Mm -hmm. I wasn't hired to beat you before. I was hired to distract you and lose or whatever. Yeah. I just like when they. Anytime they meet, they're always ego-stroking themselves. Like, oh, yeah, but, but that was because I let you, or that was whatever, you know. It's like, it's like the, the kid who doesn't want to admit that he lost, you know, at fucking any That was because game Gorilla Grodd was controlling me that time. I wasn't <laughs> at full strength. Spoiler alert for the next one. Now we cut to Montoya warning Kate that orders are shoot on sight from the cops. So if they see any capes out there, as far as they're aware, Batman killed the mayor. There's also panic everywhere over this false flag Joker thing. And Cassandra overhears the colonel talking to Kate about Shiva's attack on the colony and how she takes everyone out and how he calls her pure evil and all this shit. And uh, she sort of breaks down. And in an uncharacteristic moment, Batman is actually the one to comfort her. I guess not unlike the way that Stephanie and him have that exchange after Tim mm. blew up, you know. Uh, that was mm -hmm. that was really nice the first time and I thought it was nice here too. And that sort of closes the the story on that one. Um the fourth issue opens with Gordon begrudgingly coming home from his vacation he didn't even get to leave on yet. <laughs> And Batman explains that, look, all this is bullshit. They're like on a, a little helicopter or a small plane or something. He's like looking out the window at the burning city. He's like, the mayor is dead. There's Joker gas everywhere. There's mobs and panic. And this is the distraction. 
He's like, yeah, it's actually ninjas. There are ninjas <laughs> all over. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I thought that that was uh, a little mini sad and ironic that he's going to go take this tropical vacation. And when I saw his Hawaiian esque shirt, all I could think of was Joker in his Hawaiian yeah. shirt and uh, shooting his daughter. I was like, oh no. <laughs> you think you just swear off Hawaiian shirts from there on out? I, yeah, yeah, I think I it would be yeah. very triggering. <laughs> Barbara saw him. Any... He walked in. Hey, how's it going? <laughs> <laughs> I mean, he still carries a gun every day. The gun doesn't trigger him. I think yeah, he's. Yeah. Hawaiian shirt's much louder than a gun. No. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> There's a great little flashback of Cassandra and her dad. It very much mirrors what we just saw with her and Shiva, which was cool what they're both trying to instill in her. And this is when they go a little further into the Clayface stuff. He offers her this Shakespeare book. And I love the idea that she might not be the best with her words. But if you think about like a writer versus an actor or something, there's someone who has great emotional intelligence, but maybe doesn't have... Regular intelligence. They no, might no. have a lot of that. <laughs> That's not what I was saying, but does doesn't quite have the the vocabulary for it, and so they're a perfect marriage together, you know. And so him him seeing that and going, well, let's do some scenes. You might like this. I had a similar, you know, hump that I had to get over, and he's he's an actor. He has that background. He can, uh, you know, kind of see that in her. Yes, somebody else has the words you're looking for. Exactly. Yeah, so it's, you just it's like those. when you're, you're sad and you find the right sad song that somebody else wrote about some other shit, but it just feels right. It connects with you. Yeah, knock, knock, knocking on heaven's door. That's just always like... Uh, wow, that's, sad, that song. that's where your mind goes when I say that? Oh, yeah. Guns N' Roses is always that song only. <laughs> Every time, baby. <laughs> Jesus. I like the little sidebar relationship building stuff there too. It's just nice. It's a funny little odd pairing. Yeah, yeah, that's a nice way to build the team, separate yeah. from just, these are people Batman knows. Yeah, you don't always have to be team building all of you at the exact same time. Yeah, and I think there's sort of these little connections of like, Kate and Bruce are cousins, and Tim and Stephanie were lovers, and now you have Basil and Cassandra. Scene partners. Yeah, yeah, exactly. <laughs> and as it goes further on, we actually get Luke and Jean-Paul sort of in their weird technological uh, suit. Religious stuff. Yeah, yeah. That was a bit heavy-handed. That's a whole other thing. Especially with the religious stuff, but yeah, we'll get to that, I guess. That's why we're not doing Volume 4, because it's mostly about God. Um, God and robots. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Yeah, so she uh, escapes from Clayface. They essentially lie and say, oh yeah, she got away, because he wasn't going to fight her to keep her there. And she takes all this out on Batman. And he is not defending himself at all. He's just letting her... Did this come out before or after Batman versus Superman? Because this is exactly what Superman could have done in that fight. It would have saved a lot of time and trouble. He probably would have never died. If he just said, I'm not going to fight you. That's funny. Yeah, this probably came out about the same time. Because that was March 20... 16 and this i think the collected anyway was 2017 so yeah they're kind of in parallel i bet in his head because he's so accustomed to it that batman can't stop 
tooting his own horn and rattling off numbers <laughs> and stuff that he's like, I defended that punch with 30 <laughs> pounds of silver. I know, uh, 40 degree radial arc to maximize deflection of his Yeah, good thing I reinforced these uh, neck muscles on the side of my head to Wait, block her karate chops. What was that in? There was something where they reinforced the neck. Oh, that's when he does the, the rope know, thing. When he and just the swinging oh, yeah, the yeah, the the Jeff Loeb stuff, yeah, yeah, yeah. The super, okay. super probable neck swinging yeah. that I understood totally. Yeah, it makes um, sense if you think he has a special head thing on. Yeah. Well, and then um, Batman essentially says to her, "Just because you have these abilities, you know these things, doesn't mean you can't be a good person. Just because your parents were this way, doesn't mean you are your parents." Just because like, your no, parents no, were killed as a young person doesn't mean you have to grow up and dress like an animal. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> if she had words, she could have said that to him. Like, he made him look like an idiot. <laughs> she says, bro. <laughs> n- n- no, bad. Uh, <laughs> what's with all the double H stuff in this? Uh, people are going, <laughs> what is it? That's their like anime sound thing. Like that. <sighs> oh, uh, uh, no. Uh, no, it's it? just like a. Hmm. It's like that. No, it's, it's two H's. Hmm, has an M's in it. I yeah, know. That's, hmm. Well, if you're texting with Evan, for example, like uh, most people would use hmm, like hmm. I'm not sure. I don't know. And he uses it in a completely different way. That's what you're reading here. How do I use it? How do you use it? <laughs> I say. I say. Huh. I say H U H or. Huh. Like no, I disagree. Huh. Huh. Mm. Huh. That's what you think. Interesting thing to say. Huh. <laughs> <sighs> he says, hmm, like, I'm not going to respond to that. <laughs> that's your, that's, that signals my long-term ponderation. <laughs> I'm like, what the fuck does that mean? Usually I would say, hmm, follow-up thought. And him is just the whole thing. It's, I'll get back to you, man. I can't quickly wrap my head around I, something. I've heard what you said, and I disagree, but I don't think it's worth commenting on. It's all That's true. Man, Ben gets me. Uh, you know, my parents oh. didn't have language when I was young, so I learned to just read the Grunts. every little subtle thing you're doing with your face and your eyebrows and all that. I can tell you real meaning. Ben's like a, a really big Tim Allen fan, so he understands grunts and noises. Yeah. You know. Gunner noises. Yeah. Yeah. No. Uh oh, I thought you were talking about his neighbor and like no. having ha- no. and, like <laughs> and just only be able to see the top of his face. <laughs> Batwoman returns to the Belfry to find Clayface all scattered in pieces and is immediately run through. I was gonna say shanked, but she's fully run through and then dropped in front of her dad's cell. Uh, in the basement level there, and they say, Shiva said to make you watch. They really up the stakes in this one. It's very personal. It's not an army of drones. It's very close, stabby people you care about. Yeah. Cassandra confronts Shiva, but refuses to fight back, so we completely reverse the role of the fight she just had with Batman, where he's just taking the punches. She lets it go so far that when she was beating her down, and she's on the ground, you know, bloody face, no mask on. And she looks up with these eyes and says, 
Why, mom? And just gets kicked in the fucking face and knocked out. They're really pulling no punches with this story. It would have more weight if we spent time with them and their relationship. I don't think they have a relationship. No, but that's what I mean. That's so it doesn't have as much weight of like, why, mom? It's like, I don't know. You don't even know each other. It was, it doesn't, it doesn't hit me. The way really? It could if we had more, if we had more time with them going like, you're my mom. Are you this way? And she said, I don't care. But if we just had more of them before this, that kind of stuff would have more meaning. It just doesn't I, to me. I'm saying the opposite of that. Like, I know you guys haven't seen it. I keep telling you to watch it, but it, like Shazam, you know, I've the, watched the, time. the movie. <laughs> what are you talking Look, about? I have the complete series of Home Improvement. I have an encyclopedic <laughs> knowledge. Yeah. No, but Jonathan Taylor's Thomas. <laughs> poster on my wall. Yeah, yeah. But in Shazam, Billy is going trying to find his mom the whole time, and when he finally finds his mom, she's like. I'm kind of in the middle of something. Um, glad you're okay. You know, kind of fucking close the door in his face. This is sort of <laughs> that a step further of like, okay, wow, I finally found my mom. I call myself orphan because I have no connection to anyone, you know, and I finally find this parental figure here and she not only has contempt for me, but practically spits in your face with the bottom of her boot. I mean, it's uh, that's pretty powerful to me. I, I had more of that, er, I think, earlier on when she says to Batman, when Orphan says to Batman, why her? And I think that's when he hugs her or says, like, whatever. Yes. That had more weight to me because that's like her finding out. But then the rest of this, it's like, with Orphan's personality and Shiva's personality, I feel like she wouldn't even be calling her mom at that point. She'd just be calling her Shiva. Like, it, it just... Some villain. Yeah, I, I don't I, buy that she would be broken up quite in the way she is or to the degree she is about it. I don't know, I man. It would still just be more the general, like... Parent stuff is deep. I mean, she's a relatively young girl still. You don't think that she has, like, major traumatic wounds over this stuff? Maybe what I want more of, or maybe what would have done this better, is if it wasn't a team book. Okay. Because that's what, what I was going to say at the end is if you like the stuff that's talked about in this story and like kind of the ideas that are explored with her character and Shiva, I would read that original Batgirl series because they do, the characters are slightly different, but it's a lot of the same ideas and things they work through. Yeah. But it's focused on her and they have many more issues to tell this story. Yeah. Um, so maybe that's what I'm comparing it to. It's like it just, there's just not as much there. Yeah. I, I think that it's just kind of a con of reading this type of stuff anyways versus like a closed story because maybe they assume that you've read more and are more familiar or something. And so then when we're just going through this stuff right now, I'm supposed to be familiar with these characters and I'm really not. And this comic is full of fighting, but this particular fight or these battles between these two characters have real significance and backstory. But if I'm just seeing a fight, there's nothing to really differentiate them to me visually versus maybe some like if there were flashbacks interwoven into the fight or something, because what's going to separate a fight between a bunch of ninjas and her mom visually when it does deserve a little extra impact to me. And I'm not necessarily just 
so bought into just the words that it feels as strongly as it could to me. Yeah, and I think this book should stand on its own. They should do what you're saying. You shouldn't have to know any of this stuff beforehand. And I mean, you, Sam, you didn't. And it no, like I, you, you, I, li- you liked it anyway, or you didn't have any issue with it. Yeah, it worked very well for me. And, and again, this scene as a parallel, not only to their first fight where she is fighting, but going with you know non-lethal blows against her mom. And then also paired with the scene where she's fighting Batman and he's not fighting back. And she somehow internalized that. She decided that she's going to do the same thing. She's just going to take it. And that's going to be, you know, the, the point that she proves is I'm not like you. I'm not going to do this. Mm-hmm. Um, to me, that's a very Chris Nolan callback of kind of flip the script. And I don't know. It works very well for me. I think it's interesting as we're having this discussion, how frequently we approach these different materials with our own like preconceptions or to me, Sam, from your perspective, you're like really bought in already. And so something would have to, it'd have to do like very wrong in order to bring you down from your current position. Whereas somebody else like me or something might approach it from like a lower place and I'm waiting for everything to prove itself to be in the same place that you started as. So, yeah, I think we talked about that in Ben's ratings. Like, I start yeah. at the top and go down. He starts at the bottom and goes up. You're like, yeah. I'm so happy. I live in a world where people create these, like, great and exciting things for me to consume. <laughs> I have a Batman this is, podcast. This is amazing. And I'm like, uh, fuck you guys. I could be sitting in the dark right now. I don't want to be wasting <laughs> my time. <laughs> well, I will say, though, to Evan's point that that's not necessarily always true because I didn't really enjoy volume two of this story very much. So when I liked the first one a lot, and then the second one kind of got me out of it, when I read the third one, I was like, oh, okay, good. I really like this. I don't know much about who these people even are, but, but this one's really doing it for me. And my whole point wasn't that we always come from the exact same place. I think almost per every single material we are all have this scale of like we watch this cartoon next and i can only imagine that in my head i instantly was like this is going to be a wacky adventure and so that (laughs) makes me in more of a place to like accept it for what it is Uh, and i bet you're just like this is hot trash and (laughs) nothing is going to make me feel good about this and so we're just you like instantly shut the door on it that isn't to say that you are always like, fuck yeah, Batman, and nothing can be bad. I think that we are all approaching every single one of these things slightly differently in either needing to be affirmed or waiting to be taken down or something. Yeah. It's just interesting. It's like when we tell Ben, okay, so the next issue is the Joker, and he's like, oh, god damn it. Oh, god. Well, let me guess, he's wacky, and he kills people, and no one can figure him out. Oh, my god. He knows something that no one should know. Wow. All right, let's keep it moving here. Bruce returns to the cave to see surveillance of the whole Bat family, captured, beaten down, whatever, and Roz is in in the cave (laughs) awaiting his arrival there, and that's kind of the cliffhanger. I love this. Batman is full on. Batman begins. Christian Bale, where are they? You know, just screaming at Roz. And uh, 
drops him in this little trap. It's like the opposite of a trap door, like a, a cage, some laser cage thing. <laughs> Just another X Men from kind above. Of thing, like, yeah, totally. Shouldn't exist in this universe, but it totally. Does, Good thing he was standing right there. <laughs> it didn't go up his like spine or something. Right up his butthole. <laughs> yeah. This scene dialogue is so good. Bruce is sort of like, look, we've been through this before. The League of Shadows doesn't exist and blah, blah, blah. And he's like, so you remember us having that conversation? And he's like, yeah, okay. Well, not, not just what did I say. Where were we? In what country? After what time did we meet, you know, and he's sort of trying to like, I planted this in your head, asshole. Like, you don't know shit. Which is weird because they also show with each one of those lines, there's like a little shot of what I'm assuming are like uh, significant Ra's al Ghul stories. Because there's the one where Batman doesn't have a shirt on, he has yep. two swords. And that's like mm-hmm. from the 70s, like the yeah. head of the demon or something like that. So it's like, it's another one of those... Uh, the continuity, all of the continuity actually happened, but some space thing happened or some magic thing happened or I used mind control on you. Yeah, I think they little, say magic. Like, I, don't, I, think I, don't, I don't like it. That he had discovered the League three separate times and that Roz was like, okay, I, <laughs> this dude keeps fucking up my plans. I got I to gotta come up with a good uh, solution here. And in, in the fourth volume, we actually get into some Zatanna stuff, which is cool, but... That's the only Batman and Magic I like is Batman and Zatanna dating. That's cool. Yeah, <laughs> I, I like a I like a lady in a lady tuxedo. <laughs> I just like fishnets. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, it's a ladies. good costume. <laughs> I like the just the thought in that part that uh, <laughs> specifically from Roz's perspective because I think it's cool that Batman forgets and he is pulled to investigate this. He's just drawn back into the shadows each time. I think that's interesting. <laughs> but also, <laughs> from Roz's perspective, to like, like, ah, man, that guy, I just can't even stand that guy. I gotta wipe his memory and uh, send him out in the world. And then, like, some months later, he, like, knocks on the door again. Like, ah, come on, man. Like, leave me alone. Get out of here. Like a persistent, uh, like, just stay away from my door, man. You know, I'm reading Gotham City Sirens right now and I didn't put it together before but when Selina pitches this team up to Harley and Ivy they're going along with it and at a certain point they turn on her and Ivy gives her the you know the kiss or whatever to um, you know intoxicate her kind of like the lasso of truth moment and she's like okay you need to tell us, though, who is Batman. And there's a cool flashback scene where Talia had invited Selena for some reason. She doesn't know why. And Talia basically says, like, look, people will go after someone using those that they have loved. And you and I are the closest anyone has ever come to that for Bruce. And so I'm going to fuck with your head right now so that if you're ever captured and interrogated and, you know, tortured or whatever, that you are incapable of giving him up, essentially. Mm. That's neat. And this is just 
that, but to Batman himself. What about Phantasm, though? Or all his, like, wards. They're basically his children. Well, yeah, but she was talking about, like, you know, romantic partners or whatever. Like, she, well, she said Batman's Phantasm, loves, though? I believe. Okay, you're talking about an animated movie. This is comic books. No, I agree with Evan. What about the Phantasm? No, I get your point. I didn't I write the, the fucking thing. Talk to Paul Dini. I will. <laughs> so Roz explains that he had given control of the League to Shiva, and she essentially turned them on him. So Bruce buys this and lets him out of the cage, which, you know, of course, Roz says, there's a hundred ways I could get out of this cage, but yeah. I don't want to show my hand. Now, <laughs> I like that because it's like, yeah, I could just stick my hand here inside. And like, as he's saying that, it like slices his hand off. <laughs> oh, yeah. oh, oh. oh, I didn't know. <laughs> Laser beams. But the, the thing I don't like about that is the exaggeration. You know, if you just said like, I could free myself from this, no problem. But I'm not going to show you how I see the yeah. how I see the flaw, right? But when you say there are 100 ways, <laughs> I think that's to me that's like the uh, there are exactly 37 genders. Yeah. <laughs> like, yeah, I don't know. There's a spectrum. There's infinite things, and whatever we get it, it doesn't have to be 107 ways to break out of a laser prison in your bat cave. I'm just saying, like, if you got more than half a dozen to get out of that little box, I'm not buying it. Yeah, that seems like an unreasonable and specific number. And There's not enough variables to yeah, make that just, combination mathematically. Yeah. Show me three. Give me a demo of three really fast, and I'll decide if there are many more than that. <laughs> Give me the sizzle reel, Ross. I, um, as you were talking and I wasn't listening, I was thinking more about the, uh, <laughs> no, but, uh, the just going back to the mind wipe thing. I think fundamentally why I don't like it is because it's another way and a clumsy way at that of trying to like bring back old continuity with new continuity, mm. which is trying to like step around all the universe changing stuff they do. And the fact that this is, you know, Batman's still like 33 and he's never all that kind of stuff. I would rather just it not be commented on or some different way rather than like, a convoluted, I've been erasing your memory all this time, and all these things that happened actually did it. Like, I, I just don't like it. It's clumsy. It's awkward. Yeah, that's that's why I like standalones so much more a lot of the times, because they don't have to come up with those excuses. Mm. They don't, but I mean, even this wouldn't have to do it if you just, I mean, if you're reading this story for the first time, you, you get who Ra's al Ghul is, you get that character, and if you aren't, and if you've been consuming this stuff for a long time, you know all that stuff too. And this is like sitting in some kind of weird middle ground where they're trying to tie them together. Yeah, I think they probably could have got away with this being that it's rebirth. Yeah. Put that in the, um, if you're not going to fully explain it, just don't open the door on it category. Yes. Yeah. yeah. Nah. So when Roz gets yeah, out... Roz's mind-wiping powers. I'm sorry, this is... Mind-wiping powers. That could be a whole story. <laughs> you're just going to drop it as a way to... His forehead in that part, though. I, I know you guys don't see it, but his forehead looks so ridiculous in that picture. I think I see it. I think it's it could be the lighting. Like, if he had a round head, the lighting would start to fade sooner than it does. Yeah, the Widow's Peak, this is crazy big, that's for sure. But I thought you were talking about his face, and I was like, I've looked at this 
so hard and the facial proportions are so good yeah it's just that like i feel as if it should be shifted up like the proportions eyeballs to mouth all seems legit but i just wish it was a little higher up on his forehead well because like as you're talking i'm looking at both your heads and i can see i can overlay that head over yours and it does look really fucked up i think the question like his hair is so big that the widow's peak going up as far as it does you're like okay well where's the Top of his Where's skull. The top of his head. Yeah, but like, yeah. Yeah. look at where your hands are when you're doing that. Your your widow's peak would be like down further. It wouldn't be up on the top of your head back here. It would be kind of like sideways and yeah, because my hair my hairline would be like here still. The visualizing that we're doing right now is really helping the viewers. Yeah, so <laughs> the listeners. Bald and then, and they were also there when we had this conversation. So. Yeah, <laughs> they're gonna flip through this material. They're gonna instantly know what we're talking about because it's so it stands out. So, you know, I'd like to just shout that out. I find it really cool when people comment or message me on Instagram and be like, "Oh yeah, I listened to your episode and then I went back and I read that again, or I went back and I watched that again." And you know, people who've been going through our series and diving back into the stuff we're talking about, the source material, I think it's is really cool. So anybody who's doing that, uh, I think that's fucking fantastic and makes me feel really good that we're we're doing this not just for ourselves, but you know, you guys are having fun with it and having some different perspectives to enjoy this material again. Yeah, I, I agree. think that's that's the way to get the most out of this podcast would be to read this stuff also because otherwise you're just listening to us talk for two hours. Which yeah, what I, I like guess, doing. But- Especially when a new movie comes out or something, you know, I would go see a new superhero movie and then I would wait for Kevin Smith's Fat Man on Batman to come out and have him talk about BVS or Infinity War or, you know, whatever it was. You know, I I love doing that. And so the fact that we kind of don't follow new stuff, there's just this like amazing treasure trove of material. Like people Uh can do that at any time with this. And it's it's fun. Back to the story. Bruce lets Roz out of the little laser cage and is immediately double-crossed. Uh, no surprise there. He, <laughs> he gasses him and Shiva appears. We cut to Colony Prime and Ulysses. Man, I don't like the Colony or any of those characters. They're, I think they're all lame. Well, they rescue Colonel Kane. And they, too, want to go after Shiva after having seen Kate stabbed right there in front of him. And, of course, they make some mention, like, where is her body? And, like, oh, Shiva took the body. I'm like, bitch, she was in front of a clear wall right yeah. before your well, eyes. What do you mean? Saw- you saw her. He was so busy punching the glass and getting it all bloody <laughs> that he could no longer see there. Oh, okay. <laughs> yeah, no, I made a mess in here. That makes sense. There's a brilliant setup where Kane is talking to his men and says, look, there's 200 shadows in there. It would be suicide to try to take them on. We cannot make a direct attack and risk that, right? Having read this before, I'm like, oh, yeah. I see where you're going with this. He says, even Batman couldn't do it. Who the hell do you think could? Cut to Orphan, last page, splash page. Fuck yes, I love it. I would have a poster of that. Yeah. I'm okay with the number set up in this case. I don't like Roz's 100 ways to escape the laser prison, but I do like <laughs> yeah. 
200 ninjas to defeat. Fuck yeah. yeah. Love it. The suit up, get your gun guys makes me think of like Aliens 2 and this like <laughs> terrible dialogue between this, this, these jarheads. It's weird. <laughs> I ain't got time to bleed. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> Shut up. Book six opens with Kate, Luke, and Jean-Paul chained up naked next to a massive bomb. Hell. This feels a little jokery to me. Also, the only reason that they are not dead, keep in mind, Shiva just kills anyone indiscriminately. We've seen her do it over and over again so far, is because these are main characters in continuity. That's where this book loses a little bit for not being standalone because they they should all be dead. Yeah. That's a very old school, like you say, jokery Batman villain thing to tie up your sidekicks naked to the bomb. Yeah. <laughs> like what is what does she gain from that? Yeah. Orphan has this shadow storybook montage where Christine, the dancer from the first issue, sees her uh beaten up and and tries to take her in and give her a safe place to crash and restore and she's reading this book there's this awesome flipped 90 degrees two-page spread like the court of owls hallucination scene where uh, we're seeing another action montage but with the narration of this children's story and explaining that what makes you different can be an asset and not a liability. And I really, really like this part when Cassandra leaves, it's like, wait, where are you going? And she says to be the shadow, just like in the story. And I thought that played out very, very well. Mm-hmm. There's a little weirdness there because that book was called To Be the Shadow or something about the shadow. The yeah. girl who was a shadow. And the, it was written by Cassandra Wu San. Which is Cassandra's aunt. Yes. Oh, okay. I, yeah. I, I looked it up after the fact because I'm not, that's like my go-to Easter egg is like read all the book bindings and the titles mm-hmm. and stuff. And so I figured that there was some significance. And so I looked it up. So it's this Carolyn Wuson who is Sheba's sister and orphan's aunt. I knew okay. you would get that. It was something that I had looked up the first time I read it too. I was like, why would they put that there? Totally. Is this a real author? Oh, yeah. no, it's a DC character. Okay, I see. Well, and then and later on, when it's a flashback to, like, Roz and, and Shiva talking about something that's happened, mm-hmm. he calls, he's like, oh, little Sandra Wusan going to find her daughter in Detroit. Yep. Like, I, I'm completely lost, but that's neat. <laughs> there is this mind-blowing spread. Her, It's like some epic Ninja Turtles shit after we're seeing her just, like, chopping and kicking and crunching you know a million people in the tiny little action shots and then this huge spread of just a a swarm it looks like a swarm of bugs or something just a mass of bodies that she's taking on that is just stunning i like when ninjas are drawn like that when they kind of fuse with a shadow shape yeah and then all you get is like outlines or maybe swords floating in the shadow or little eye slits or something. I always think that is so cool. Yeah, the first time I read that, that was like a jaw drop moment for me. I was like, oh my God, as they're showing this one woman army take on a literal army of ninjas. 
I can't oversell this moment. It's so fucking badass. The, I think it's you guys don't give a fuck. Uh, no, it is dope, but I also read a lot of stuff with a lot of action that has the bar set very high for action for me. But what other story that we read has ever been on this scale? Yeah, that's, my, I think this that's is your world. Hey, anyone listening, I'm, I'm making a very small circle with my hand. This is your <laughs> world. And then I'm opening my hands up to encompass. You can't even see how far apart they are now. This is my world. So... I absorb a good many things. Also, we just watched Batman Ninja and that set the bar so high for action in my mind. But that would be like if Cassandra took on that entire army of monkeys by herself. <laughs> oh, that would be dope. You know? That, okay, well, sorry to no, it is, not it is, impress you. It is really dope. I liked it. Didn't mean to yeah, bore yeah. you with the coolest part. My bad. <laughs> uh, I can't remember if it's I think it's right around then because I feel like there's kind of like an intro to the ninja fight and then there's a more serious now I'm really fighting the ninja part. But she like shut she shuts the lights off on them yeah. by hitting an electrical panel with with a sword. <laughs> I don't know everything about how stuff works, but it seems like Yeah, I know I know works. some stuff. And it, and at least in the drawing they make it look very electrical and really sparky it seemed unwise that's all mm. well then we get the final showdown here with shiva and orphan again i'm loving the dialogue it does not impress me to see a knife that refuses to stab a gun that refuses to fire and Cass just shoots back yes it does yeah, uh, that I is think, a really mm-hmm. great moment. I think she says it twice where she, you know... She where, says it in response to a few more things of like... Yeah. The, she like, says something and she says, oh yeah, it does. Mm-hmm, exactly. I imagine her speaking as sort of like Stevie from Malcolm in the Middle, you know, it's very breathy, punctuated, awkwardly. <laughs> but, Weirdo. Uh, yes. <laughs> it does, uh, you know. I, I really did like that too because of the... Oh, something like that Ben own. likes. Holy shit. <laughs> Stop the ninjas. press. Ninjas. <laughs> My God. It's a completion of something that has been set up multiple times already of her being able to read things so you can't lie to her yeah. the way you can lie to other characters. Yeah, so especially after... of her getting the upper hand. After dismissing her choices for all these last four issues or whatever, five issues, finally seeing when they go toe-to-toe that, like, Oh, you're a little shook, aren't you? What I do really like, too, is that in other settings, when they're having conversations, she's just doesn't have a lot to say. She can't say a lot. But I like instead, in this part, it seems like like a strength anyways. This isn't one of those super long-winded word battles while physically battling stuff. You know, mm. Shiva's doing all the talking, and she's like, Karate chop, yes, you are impressed. Yeah. Karate chop, you know, like, it just, nah, yeah, nah, shut up. And I like that how little she speaks actually becomes really cool in this part to me because she's just blocking everything that her mom has to say. You don't want a big exposition dump over the action montage? Mm. No, I've seen <laughs> many things like that, and I do not love it. Uh, Kane and Ulysses send... 
AI napalm drones or something. Yeah, after this is probably why do you say it like that? The why do you league say it like it's a weird thing or doesn't. Is land it well preposterous, or... Sam? <laughs> I don't fully understand what they're sending, what it is they're doing. It's nano machines that go into your body and make your body like inflamed and melt from the inside. Isn't but that it's nano machines? Isn't that so just like a? It doesn't do everyone. It's like accelerating a bad diet or something, or. Yeah, speeding up your metabolism. Okay, yeah. okay. Um, yeah, it's odd. But is Ulysses one of your favorite characters? Oh, yeah, he's the best. Yeah. <laughs> but they discover that the Bat Fam is still alive down there, and Kane is sort of like, call it off, you know, and, and it's this sort of, really? You, you know, there's the entire League of Shadows down there, that we could wipe out and you're going to spare one person? I thought you were a fucking soldier. I mean, it's true to the character. When they established him in the beginning, he was showing Batman like, oh yeah, we've been studying you and look what we've done. This is not even one of the most lethal ones. Look at all these dead people that I, you know, puppet with my drones from miles away, you know. He's a little weird in that part. Yeah. We cut back to uh, the Shiva-Cassandra fight and... There's another great line where she says, you think best hits are kills. I think best hits hurt. That's about Mm -hmm. as much of like action movie dialogue that she could possibly muster. And I like it. Yeah, it's it's a nice reiteration of her character being like, oh, I don't have to kill. I can still be violent and sadistic without killing. Yeah. I think it's good to just hurt. Yeah. I think the lessons... To just in general, you know, it, it speaks to life and not just fictional characters fighting and stuff. That's part of getting through life is learning the lesson through difficult things and the painful things and learning how to avoid those in the future and stuff. Yeah, yeah. the pain will change, but it, uh, obviously death doesn't leave any options. Yeah, mm-hmm. I've, I've learned a lot from hanging out with you guys. <laughs> the constant pain. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Hanging out with you repeatedly. Shiva gets shot in the back, sort of like Dark Knight Rises, actually, with the Bane confrontation. And it's like, really? You're going to have this big epic showdown and then remove any consequence of it? Okay. But Roz justifies it saying that it was his rabid dog to put down, which, I mean, I, I'm not mad at that rationale but the fact that he achieved it i wasn't as happy with you're gonna tell me about the napalm bugs and then i don't get to see the bugs also just establishing that shiva is like a freaking badass and you know is always aware of what's going on and just gets shot in the back yeah it's kind of lame now roz escapes with the league but it appears that the league turns into bats yeah man bats yeah yeah Oh, that wasn't uh, established. Okay. Yeah, that was no. not explained. <laughs> I thought they were just bringing Man Bat in. Like, yes, <laughs> there's a bunch, but there's a bunch of them. Yeah. Did. That's probably the coolest picture of Roz, I think, with holding the gun and, yeah. and his, his henchmen. But then there's a cave full of, and it looks like the animated series Man Bats. Yeah, there's not even him. like a transformation sequence or anything. It's just like, oh, by the way, I brought the Langstrom family. Um, <laughs> it, <laughs> oh. It's their reunion. Yeah, that's weird. It was weird. All right, so Kane disappears. They never really follow that up. Batman 
begins to unravel the suppressed memories from Roz and starts to think that some magic was done and this sort of is the setup for Zatanna. Now we have two unnecessary epilogues. We have Jean-Paul and his AI suit with Luke, where Luke sort of explains my own concerns about the character and his weird faith hang-ups. <laughs> and then as they're leaving, the AI becomes like a sentient physical thing, like Ultron or something. And Ascalon yeah, initialized. We introduce Ascalon, which I think is supposed to be like a mic drop cliffhanger. And I'm just like, ugh. So they're setting up, oh, <laughs> I cool, I get Batman's Zatanna stuff, but then this is going to be interwoven in it? Cool. Yeah, volume four is not my favorite. I wish sometimes that people... I think that there's sometimes where cliffhangers are just done wrong, especially with this <laughs> ending sequence. Or sometimes cliffhangers done wrong, and sometimes I just wish that they didn't exist at all. I almost wish that you could start the next book. Like, don't try to play to the part of people who, or the group of people who need those things incessantly. And how about the next book just kind of starts where the next one left off and then it just builds for there and then introduces some stuff. Oh, yeah, have, have those one shots be the start of the next trade. Yeah. Yeah, because at, at some point, all of these like super climax things have to like, they trump all the other ones and then it, it gets lost in the mix and then it all kind of becomes lackluster. So you've got like huge ninja fight and naked people with a threatening bomb and the napalm robots and then the lady gets shot and the man bats and then <laughs> and then the like robot intro after that like when does this crap stop like it you, stuff starts to become insignificant because you just keep stacking things that are significant and they're all supposed to be more potent than the next one eventually i'm like i don't none of this seems very consequential to me well some of that is like the nightfall thing where this is a continuing series and so i would think that some of those one shots are like well we have this story planned and this story planned and we need a couple weeks in between to fill it out while they're working on this other stuff mm -hmm. but as a story it doesn't work it doesn't help like you're saying it just overloads it you know you just mentioned something about them all being tied up naked and I had forgotten, because at the end, in the final confrontation, I think Shiva said something about, like, oh, you think you can take us down alone or something, and then Batman shows up and he's rescued the other Batfam. is like, she's not alone, right? They're all fully suited up. All of them, immediately. Like, I didn't actually appreciate that major flaw until just now. <laughs> yeah, it's, it's, it's strange. And it also robbed us of the opportunity to see many of your favorite characters naked, which is... <laughs> I like the fact that Roz goes out of his way to explain that, like, he created the bomb because he just needs to gloat a little bit. <laughs> He's got to twirl his mustache a little at the end. Yeah. I don't know if you've seen how big my forehead is. <laughs> <laughs> I created this bomb. <laughs> I wish that the epilogue had been focused on Cassandra because... I mean, we go into this extra flashback thing about Tim talking to Batman, like, why are you building the team like you're preparing for war and blah, blah, blah. And it's like, man, either bring him back or don't. Like, don't just shove a random 
thing, like this doesn't belong here. What was the entire point of this arc? It was this character's growth, you know, and her growth, acceptance. acceptance. Exactly. And so like, well, what did she take away from all this? Oh, well, it doesn't matter because remember Robin died? I'd rather have something at the end where she's like reading more books or dancing or, dancing or like yeah. planting flowers and learning how to enjoy life and be gentle or something. Yeah, and we do get that as the story goes on that she's actually doing scenes with Basil and it's it's really cool. <laughs> they should have probably ended this with that, I think. Yeah. Plus a robot cliffhanger. <laughs> well, any other uh, things that were Easter eggs that we didn't mention? No, but I do want to say real quick that Batwing Azrael stuff was kind of wackadoodle to me, but there weren't any other times really that like Azrael got to be dope in this comic and him taking out those like Batman Sentinels in that part was like the coolest thing action-wise that he got to do, and I liked it. Yeah. yeah. Both Batwing and Azrael were the wharf of this story and that they're supposed to be really tough guys, and then they get taken out of the fight immediately yeah. in the exact same way. Yeah. Totally. Well, Just hey. to show you how bad these villains are, man, they'll take out those two guys instantly. It's more so like when you've got to remove Superman from the equation because like otherwise... There's no threat here, you know. But, like, you stab these dudes through the abdomen. Okay, they're going to be taken out of commission for a minute. Yeah, but you they could be stabbed through the abdomen at any time. That could happen in any story. Yeah, they were just fighting the whole idea is that just, ninjas. Yeah, they're supposed to be better. This is Karen. She will kill you. <laughs> <laughs> I like that shot of the League of Shadows because it is just, like, random average looking people there's like a fat guy <laughs> yeah. a small lady we have infiltrated every part of your culture <laughs> pros yeah, I love that it's a, a ninja story and focus on combat and I say this a lot but when it's there it's worth it the palette especially early on I like that it has some of that kind of year one look of like yeah. neon purples and pinks and oranges well, I especially noticed it with the shot early on of Luke giving Clayface the bracelet and just his blue bat symbol on his chest in mm -hmm. contrast to all the other colors used throughout that chunk of the story was really, really nice. Yeah, I liked the artist who does, it's got to be at least two parts, maybe the beginning and then the ninja fight stuff is Marcio Takara. And I'd never seen his art actually in a comic before he's like a dude that i'd found on instagram and I, mm. and i like his stuff but i've actually never seen anything that he drew for a comic so that was really cool for me and a lot of this stuff online is just black and white kind of convention sketch looking stuff so it's cool to see his him telling a story and his pieces to completion especially the orphan league fight i liked i liked all the little panels kind of all uh Sean Murphy with his like mini connecting panels to show all this little action and how much black there was in that. I liked, I doubt it's specific to this. I just haven't seen it other places because I haven't read other material, but I like Asriel and Batwing's suit designs in this part. I like Batwing's glowing logo. Like Ben's talking about, he kind of has this like dark Iron Man treatment that I think is cool. 
uh, and Asriel's mask has been redesigned with a little like little Wolverine triangles and he looks really cool. Additionally, Orphan is badass. I like her a lot. Yeah. And unfortunately, Minicon, I think that my favorite art in the entire comic is Raphael Albuquerque's variant covers in the very back of the comic again. I would have liked to have seen even more of his stuff. <laughs> See, mine are still Eddie Barrows. I love his I Batman like stuff. I, I his was happy when covers. he did the stuff at the very end. Like the covers were like a breath of fresh air. Yeah. And then seeing his stuff at the very end, I was like, yeah, for just a little bit, but I wish there had been more. I think that they conveyed action very, very well, but it is sort of, it's almost like when we compared Capullo and Jock when they were in the same continuity, it's like there's just this sort of extra thick black, uh, it's almost like goopy looking. I don't know. It Compared to the Barrow stuff, it just loses some like finesse or detail or something to me. Um, yeah. And... Yeah, so seeing those covers is like, yes. And then reading it is like, well, this is on model, but not quite on that level, you know? It's fine. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. I, I do think that they do the, the fight sequences very, very well, though. And I really, really like Cassandra's story in this. Cons. It's the same one I have. And when I first read this, I liked it more. And overall, this Detective Comics run was a good read, but I I, I kind of don't like the team. I, I don't like the team aspects of it, and I think it weakens the stories they tell overall. They do neat things in this book and the other books, but it just is distracting, and I feel like they could have accomplished more towards their goal of exploring orphan story if they weren't beholden to telling all these other side stories at the same time. Mm-hmm. And I can't stress enough, like, I really... Colonel Kane and the colony, I don't like them as villains. I don't I'm like glad that they're to it. barely there. Yeah, it's small, but it's still I'm like Ulysses says, what a fucking dumb character. That's Yeah, they didn't need to bring that back at all. Yeah, he's just annoying and For like as little as those guys are in the story, they really could have left that out. Mm-hmm. Yeah. They more just wanted to have him escape and set it up for them to come back later. It's like half that, and the other half of their purpose there is to be like, no, the League of Shadows are real, and they're bad. Believe me, they're bad. Even we think they're bad. Yeah. Which is unnecessary. I felt as if I could have been more invested in it, and I don't know how that could have happened, but this story is kind of one of those ones where they're presenting me with a whole lot, whether it's characters or different things happening simultaneously or just kind of a whole lot of story that doesn't always go as in depth as I would like it to. And so a lot of it ended up feeling a little inconsequential to me, or I just wasn't as, I wasn't as in it as I would have liked to have been. Well, and as you were saying that of being more invested, like, so I think what they could have done, so cut those things I don't like or remove the other team members, remove those aspects of the story. Because what would make Cassandra's story have more weight is if we saw more of her struggles with being the way she is. You get a tiny little bit of that with the scene of her like shadowing the dancer. But that's a weird scene. You're like stalking a person. That's not awkwardness. That's you sneaking up on someone in a gimp outfit and then running away when they see you. 
Yeah, but they give you that in the Harper Row conversation right afterward. A little bit, but I mean, there could have been more of that. That could have been explored more of what is hard about being hurt. Why is that challenging? Other than just like, I see how to kill people and I can't say my feelings. Let me see it. Yeah, I get that. I guess, like Ev said earlier, it's just all our own projections that we make. And and personally, the type of story this is, uh, you know, I have a lot of... What type of story is this? I have a lot of hangups on, like, absent parent shit from growing up. And so these are the stories that really connect with me. And I I really felt everything that she was feeling as I was reading this. And so Mm. when you guys are like, yeah, I could have been more into this... That surprised me, but I guess maybe not, given that you know we don't have the same backgrounds or anything. So um, I killed my parents when I was very young, so I don't. I abandoned those kind of feelings. Jack Napier, everyone. <laughs> and also, sometimes the amount of too much can be like in multiple categories. And maybe what I really liked about this story was the stuff that. I liked Orphan and I liked her struggles and I liked trying to connect to her more. And I'm not saying that wasn't effective, but I had to view that stuff and all this other stuff at the exact same time. I would have either liked to absorb them like separately or for some of this to be left out. But how are they going to do that while they push this storyline forward? But that is actually the stuff that I liked the most and I think it could have been a little more effective or I could have just had more of that and less of this other stuff but I have to absorb this really personal really tragic stuff at the same time that I have to address this like super crazy super powered hero story and, and you just described hard. every Batman comic no but as, cause as he was <laughs> saying that I was thinking like imagine all those Batman comics we love if they were bogged down with like a third of it being about Red Robin or Gotham PD doing something else. Like it's, well, yeah, it would be less effective. The too many characters thing. I totally get that. I just meant like every Batman story is this personal trauma and these flashbacks and blah, 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 blah. While all this crazy action shit is happening. That's how he's got to figure out. Some of the crazy action in this doesn't tie into any of that. Yeah. I don't really see that. I think it's just presentation and the extent of that stuff. You know, if you want to have personal stuff and then also tell this like detective story or something simultaneously, or they have similar tones or something cool. But a lot of this stuff seems pretty wild and fantastical. And then this other stuff here is like very dark and very personal. Yeah. I would agree that there's probably a little bit lost with too many characters involved And again, just like I said about it loses a little bit for me not having the Eddie Barrows and Alvaro Montina, Alvaro Montina, Martina, Jesus fucking Christ, Alvaro Martinez stuff. I think those. Body language is your first language too, right? Not worse. (laughs) Uh, I think it loses a little bit from not having them still the main authors here in terms of artwork, but. Uh, overall, I'm a pretty big fan of this. I think this might even be my favorite of this seven-book run, I think. Trifecta. 
What do we have for a detective? Anything? I mean, there's the layers of seeing that all the Joker stuff and the chaos is bullshit. A distraction. Yeah. There's a little bit of that, but they establish that and expose it very quickly. Yeah. You get Roz's talking about how many times he rediscovered his place. It's <laughs> detective stuff that we didn't really get to see. That's true. That's true. I mean, really, this trifecta is going to be weakened a little bit because Batman's second fiddle to Orphan, really, in this story. And she doesn't do any detecting, but she definitely has yeah. the trauma and the ninja stuff. Yeah, I was going to say, Ninja, I mean, he loses the Shiva. <laughs> yeah, yeah. That happens. Yeah, so much of this story is Batman, is showing Batman being weaker to make her look stronger. Yeah. Shiva looks stronger and Orphan looks stronger. Yeah, he took a lot of punches from Orphan. That's cool. <laughs> just alter the trifecta from whenever in the presence of ninjas. It's just not how much of a ninja is Batman, but just how many ninjas are there. <laughs> More than 200 ninjas. Yeah. Many ninjas. <laughs> many see, dead there ninjas. was 200 there. There's probably 35 in the other part. Um, <laughs> trauma? It's all about her trauma. Yeah. Which the whole point of the story. Which, yeah, I think is a perfect supplement, really. Just, it's still a core to the story, but it's not rehashing his old shit again. I do like how much he emotes, though, in the part with Roz. Two things. How much they show in his eyes when he's like, what do you mean? Or, or, or it's like the gears are turning and he's having like a... Oh he realized something in his head moment yeah. and it really shows in his eyes. He's um, going off in that part. I really like yeah. it. Cause otherwise he seems very calm to me the whole time. And I like that. He, Batman is generally very curt. And, but I like this version of it is just very straightforward. And, but in that part, it seems like he snaps a little bit in a, um, not in a rage way, but in a like, he's not in control. Things aren't what he thought they were. And that has to, for a dude who probably prides himself as generally always having it pretty together. I bet that gets him kind of shook up. Yeah. Okay. Ratings. I'm going to prepare myself. I'm going to go 2.5 to three. Jesus Christ. Yes, I'm at 2.5. It's <laughs> yes. Pretty <simple. laughs> Yeah. I mean, I, I want to like it more because that is like, that's my favorite kind of Batman thing is a story about combat and martial arts and that kind of stuff. And as I've said, I like those villains more than I like somebody who's just fucking nuts or, or even like, you know, Mr. Freeze is not my guy either, but Batman operating on some sort of ninja level. That's my thing. Um, yeah. Well, because of that, I always feel like, okay, I've got, I got one that they're really going to like, I'm going to bring in the, like, Oh yeah, this is different. And, I think they'll really like it. And I'm like, nope. Uh, <laughs> well, swing well, and a miss. And, and also, and that's a little surprising because, as I've said, like Cassandra Kane is one of my favorite characters in the Bat universe. I think she's an interesting version. She's more interesting to me than Nightwing and Robin and Red Robin. Red Hood is up there because I think him being a failure or a Batman failure is what makes that character exciting and interesting and how like, it's like that what Batman's view is if it gets warped in a different way. But so despite it being a ninja story and despite it being a Cassandra Cain story, just all those other things distracted me from it and made it not land. But as I've said before with the number thing, like two and a half, that's how I felt about the story. Like it, it's not awesome, but it's not terrible either. And 
if any of this sounded interesting to someone, they should read it and check it out. Doesn't mean it was like a waste of time. I definitely enjoyed it. Um, but it's probably not something I'd want to reread multiple times. Yeah, I don't regret reading it or anything. I had a, a good time with it. I just didn't love the way that a lot of it was presented to me. And I think kind of in the same way that we're talking about, you know, Sam, you think that like, oh, shit, yeah, it's got ninjas or something. And you're not wrong in thinking that I almost always like ninjas. But just because there's ninjas doesn't mean I'm going to love it. It still has to be presented to me in a way that I enjoy. And I could easily not like these ninjas, even though I usually do, just because all the other things that are that are either building it up or pulling it down at the same time. Well, fuck you guys. Um, <laughs> yeah, I wrote down a number for giving it for its continuity stuff because you just can't escape that. Um, sure. So I'm not judging it for that. I wrote down a four and a half because I really, really liked it. I really connected with it. I think it loses a little for the artwork from the bar they previously set. You know, realistically, probably a four. But if I forgive the continuity stuff, I really, really like the writing. Nice. Any uh, last thoughts on League of Shadows? Go back and read Batgirl. Mid-2000s Batgirl series. It's really good. This is Robin. Thanks for checking out the Bat Fanatic podcast with Sammy Warmhands. All right, that is our show. Thank you guys so much for listening, as always. Now, if you don't follow us on Instagram, please do. For all you collectors out there, you can pull up BatFanAddict, A-D-D-I-C-T, and you'll get to see what I've done to my collection because in the last year... In particular, I've really gone all in. And in the past month, I've got all new display cases and lighting and all this shit. And I'm really, really stoked on what the Batcave looks like. So do check us out on Instagram. Please give us that coveted five-star rating on your podcast app. And next time, we will be back with more martial arts Batman, this time in the craziest way imaginable. That's right. We're coming back with the animated film, Batman Ninja.